Yeah, of course it does, because without it, that would be musik. Wouldn't it? <laughs> musik. Sounds ridiculous. <laughs> now, bearing in mind that that song, I think, came out in 1998, and that joke only came to me a week ago. Um, <laughs> I don't know, but I, swear, I guess sometimes you just can't rush genius, can you? Uh, <laughs> David Eagle Podcast. Welcome to the David Eagle Podcast. My name is David Eagle. I am a comedian, which I think has just been made patently clear from that introductory clip there. I don't think anyone's in any doubt about that. And I know it's taken me eight months to get a podcast out, but as I said in that clip there, you can't rush genius. And I know a lot of you would have been angry with me that it's taken this long to get a podcast out. Maybe when you pressed play, you thought you're going to have to make amends, David, somehow, because we're not happy with you. But then you just heard that introductory clip there and immediately you thought, all oh, is forgiven. The David Eagle podcast is back. Ellie will be back as well, my fiance Ellie. She'll be joining me on the podcast. She won't be on this week's podcast because this week, because I've been travelling around the country doing comedy gigs, I'm going to play a selection of some of the more idiosyncratic moments from those gigs. I mean, you'll be travelling on the road with me to various gigs all over the country. And again, I know it's been seven months since I did a podcast, but how can you stay mad at me when you discover that I should be taking you to such places as Hull? That's right, and we're going to Hull, my friends. We're going to Birmingham, Burscoff. That's a place, by the way. I'm not insulting you. Just in case you're thinking, all right, David, calm down. Tell us to Burscoff. We're going to Bognor, Brighton, Warwick, Witchwood, Sheffield, Redcar, Colchester, London, where I've been performing comedy to audiences ranging from pensioners right the way down to babies. And we're going to meet all sorts of interesting audience members on our travels. So let's get underway. We start our adventure in West Lancashire, Burscoff. How dare you? Ah, never grows old. The David Eagle Podcast. But when you're blind, the ordinary, everyday things that you would just take for granted, they just turned into these weird, crazy dramas. And I'm just talking about the simple, everyday stuff, like every single time I get into the car and drive. <laughs> I mean, the trick doesn't help. In fairness, I was just testing my eyes. Uh, the old Cummings method, you know. But... Generally, are fascinated about being blind. So, oh, are you all right? Yeah. Except, well, I don't know, because being blind, that could be like a dangerous, someone's just collapsed in the audience, anything could have happened. It could be a terrorist threat. I just thought I'd best make sure. Um, I mean, my puns are pretty good and my knob gags are exquisite, but I wouldn't want to get in the, in the way of a terrorist threat. Come on, David, get off the stage, for God's sake. It's just a really rampant Dominic Cummings fan in the audience. Come on, there, you bastard! Just wanted to make sure. From Burscoff, we move to Colchester. Often you'll do gigs and it feels like the audience are as one. You're performing in a room full of people and they're all laughing as one. And the laughter will ripple, you know, because everyone's feeding off each other. There's an energy in the room. This wasn't that gig. There were a group of Scottish girls who just kept breaking into conversation. Someone else just got up and started walking about. It was a very strange gig. And it wasn't a full room either. So people didn't just sit at the front. People decided to leave like three rows between each other. So it was a very difficult room to play. The majority of the gig was me just stopping and saying what is going on because I just felt like well I could just continue but it feels like I'm just talking to myself so I found it it's best just to talk about it also when you start out in comedy uh, oh this caused a discussion you okay? yes we're okay oh it's okay <laughs> the way you said that is if I'd done something wrong yes we're okay we're just having a conversation continue yes we thought you couldn't hear with me being blind my friend but no I can I can, I can hear you you could just mind to each other and I wouldn't notice Fine. <laughs> anyway, are you, are you, do you want to leave or something and you're just saying to the person next to you, is there a safe word? <laughs> um, 
what is, what's going on? Is everyone all right? No. No, we're not. Our cushions are not plumped satisfactorily. Uh, we thought there'd be a butler on tap. I've come all the way from Scotland for this. Unbelievable. What? Nothing. <laughs> it's a, why don't the audience members have microphones? I can never work that out. It seems very unfair that I'm still up here with a microphone. I don't know what's going on. Someone's just walked off there. Uh... <laughs> what? How did I say? Because I'm not really blind. I'm, it's, it's just a gimmick, my friend. Uh, I'm not funny enough to do comedy in my own right. I thought blindness, that's my niche. I needed to carve out a niche for myself in lockdown. I thought this venue's closing down. There's too many comedians. I need a niche. Blindness was the answer. Um, Bro, you're awesome, you know. Oh, thank you. <laughs> it's taken a while. It's taken for someone to walk out of the gig for the gig to really start picking up for me. Um, <laughs> thank you. Anyway. <laughs> I mean, you, the gig really has picked up for you in the last 30 seconds. It's a shame I'm leaving now, isn't it? From Colchester, we head to Redka. And as you're going to hear, conversations broke out in the audience for this gig as well. But the weirdest bit of the gig was down to one person. Now, at these gigs, I'm not the only person performing. There are maybe two, three, four comedians performing on the night. I was on in the second section. The first comedian who was on, he had to abandon so many punchlines because someone would just shout something out. Like, someone just shout something random out or a conversation would break out and he'd have to try and deal with that. And so he had to abandon so many jokes. It was ridiculous. He'd get to the end of a story and he'd go, and he said, and then someone would go eh, eh, and say something and then he'd have to sort of abandon that and then he'd say, oh, well, there's no point me doing the punchline now so you'd have to leave that bit and then the audience were getting angry with the people who were talking. But the first half did not include my particular heckler. I'm not even sure if you can call this a heckle but he didn't make an appearance at all in the first half. Didn't say a word but he certainly made up for that when I went on. Now I think you'll understand what I mean when I play the clip. I think he must have had, I don't know what it was but some kind of learning difficulties or learning disability or, or something like that. I'd obviously I don't know what it was. It would have been nice to have had a bit of a chat with him afterwards actually but I had to rush off and get the train but it was almost like he didn't quite understand that sometimes comedy is you're not telling the truth you're kind of exaggerating or you're inventing things or that the reason I'm telling you this is because there's punchlines involved you know he treated the gig like I was on stage and he was his job was almost to engage and have a bit of a conversation and ask questions and <laughs> it's just so weird because he hadn't spoken at all in the first half so the gig opened I started with my song I'm killing my dog for Satan and it's going really well and then he interrupts <laughs> And the interruptions just continued from there. And I should also probably say at this point, because some of you might be a little nervous, I've mentioned someone with learning difficulties or a learning disability, I think I treaded carefully. That was another thing I was mindful of, because I wanted to have fun with him. It seemed weird to ignore him, but at the same time, I didn't want anyone or the people he was with to feel that I was kind of <laughs> having a joke at his expense. So it kind of gave me an extra level of jeopardy, because I was like, oh, I could say one thing wrong and this could go really bad. Also, as you're about to hear, there were quite a few interesting laughers in the audience, and I I'm making a few jokes about how weird people's laughs are, and I'm not referring to him, by the way. So I just wanted to mention that, just in case you think I'm taking the piss out of the way he laughs. <laughs> and this is not a clip of me taking the piss out of someone with a learning disability. Sorry if you were turning the volume up going, oh, this is more like it. This is more like it now. Yeah, we've, we've, we've missed you, David. You haven't done a podcast for seven months. Well, this is it. You're going to take the piss out of someone with a learning disability. Let's have it. <laughs> it's not that. Not in this episode. That's for patrons. Anyone who wants to subscribe... <laughs> So I'm singing my song, I'm killing my dog for Satan, and then I suddenly hear this voice. That's his first interruption, and then it just continues from there. (laughs) 
I kill him, my dog for Satan. I kill him, my dog. I kill him, my dog. I kill him, my dog for all together now. What? Was it fun? Yeah. I must warn you, not all these songs are autobiographical, my friends. <laughs> uh, I've never had anyone enjoy it in that much detail before. Tell us more, David. <laughs> Enough of the jokes. Tell us more about the dog. Um, <laughs> between you and me, yes, it was fun. Um, <laughs> to, no. What the heck was that noise? <laughs> Sounds like a, it sounds like we've got a whole menagerie of animals in tonight. Someone just did a donkey there. We've got one woman at the front who laughs like a tortured mouse. Believe me, I'd know. <laughs> Very good. Anyway. <laughs> Sorry, I really, if, if I want you to enjoy yourselves, maybe you shouldn't start taking the piss out of how you all laugh. <laughs> you laugh like an idiot. <laughs> there they are again. <laughs> I, <laughs> Is there, is there like an audition before you can come in? Let's hear how you laugh. <laughs> no, you're not coming in. How do you laugh? <laughs> yes, you can come in. Excellent. <laughs> Frank Bruno's in now. <laughs> my goodness. I, uh, I had COVID a couple of weeks ago. I didn't lose my sense of smell quite a bit. Didn't affect me too much That's though. Good. It's not good. No, no. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, anyway, I don't know where we were going with that. But no, you're right. It's not that good. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, see how far we get with the next one. Um, I was at a party uh, the other day and I arrived at the party a bit early and uh, there was only a few of us there and this uh, guy comes up to me and within about five seconds of introducing himself he went, so then mate, how did you lose your sight then? I thought this guy knows how to get a party started, doesn't he? You know. With a bit of music, yeah. <laughs> Thank you very much. Sorry, just to check. Other people can't hear this, can't they? Um, <laughs> the, th <laughs> the therapist told me that the drugs would help with the split personality disorder. But I just worry that none of you can hear it. I was going, oh yes, very good, very good. There he starts again. <laughs> anyway, I was in Australia. Was Australia hot? What? Was Australia hot? Was Australia hot? It was, my friend, yes. <laughs> there we are. Uh, I'm now moonlighting as a travel agent. Excellent. <laughs> was Australia hot? Any more questions? Did they, did they speak like this? Yes, they did. Uh... <laughs> what's, what's going on here? Is everything all right? <laughs> yeah. All right, what the heck's going on behind us? Sorry, is this, is there like, like some cost cutting or something so they had to sort of rent the room out to a meeting or something that's going on? <laughs> I've no idea. Well, I'll just plough on, shall I? Would that be a massive inconvenience? Uh, I was in Australia, as we find out. It's very hot, very hot in Australia. Shut <laughs> sure. I'm, assu I'm assuming you're not talking to me. Uh, <laughs> I mean, that would be some turn up, wouldn't it? Shut up! Uh, we're trying to listen. There's a fascinating conversation going on over there. <laughs> Anyway, I'll do my best with this one. I don't know why I'm even trying to do this, because my timer went off to tell me that I'm meant to be rounding off in a second. So, what I'll, I'm trying to work out what to do. I'll tell you what I will do. Forget about Australia. Um, 
Talking of timers, from Redcar to Birmingham we move. And I was just doing a short spot at the Glee Club in Birmingham. I was only doing 10 minutes on this spot. It's quite a quick moving night. And they were like, oh, it's very tight, David, because there's a number of comedians on. So if you can make sure you don't go over 10 minutes. So I said, it's fine. I've got my timer. I'll set it to nine minutes and then I'll know it's time to wrap up. And then I went on stage. I started singing, I'm killing my dog for Satan. And then halfway through it, I realised, oh, I forgot to bring my phone on stage with my timer on. And it was my first time playing this club. The Glee Clubs are kind of iconic comedy clubs. And I thought, this is my first gig there. I didn't really want to annoy anyone by overstaying my welcome, by doing too long and then not getting invited back. So now I'm in this situation where I want to make sure that I'm not going to go over 10 minutes, but I don't have a timer. And I'm also aware that I'm the smallest act on the bill on this night. You know, the rest of the comedians had done quite a lot of TV and radio stuff. I was the person with the least profile at this gig. So I think they would have been a bit annoyed if I was the one who did the longest. It would have rather egotistical. So I thought, well, the song's probably about two and a half minutes, something like that. So I'll just ask someone in the audience to set a timer. I like the fact that I say to the audience, has anyone got a timer? <laughs> That's the question I ask. Has anyone got a timer? Like, everybody's got mobile phones with a timer on. I don't suppose anyone's got a timer in the audience, have they? Anyway, believe it or not, someone in the audience did have a timer. I know. But it turns out she was taking her job very seriously indeed. She was quite officious with it. Uh, rather awkwardly, I've just realised I forgot to uh, set my timer going. Has anyone got a timer in the audience? Yeah. Yes. Right. Oh. All right, there's nothing to show off. <laughs> <laughs> Could you uh, tell me when uh, seven minutes has elapsed? Seven. When? From now. From, from now, yeah, yeah. <laughs> from, uh, from the 14th of October, please. <laughs> We're in for the long haul. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. I mean, it's a very unprofessional start from me, in fairness. I don't know why I'm blaming you. I'm taking it out on you. I do apologise. Uh, I don't normally sing a song about satanic dog sacrifice as well. I just panicked. I got on the stage and just panicked. <laughs> to be honest, I'm not even meant to be here. I just got lost. And here I am. As I said to you at the start... Uh, and so I'll give you an example. Assuming we've got time. How long have we got? Oh, I, I, oh, it's going to take me two minutes and 25. So unfortunately, I'm not going to be able to tell you. No, we can do it. We can do this. All right. <laughs> keep, I know I'm brilliant, but keep applause to a bare minimum. We'll get through this, everyone. All right, let's not waste any time now. Oh, okay, says the man wasting time. Right. I'll give you an example. One minute. One minute. <laughs> I told you not to talk about my sex life. What? You can stop the timer now, I know what's going on. I've got a little bit extra than the, the two minutes, it's fine. Uh, thank you very much for that. Uh, there we are. I mean, you, you, this might be just a, a really brutal heckle and I've only done two minutes, I've absolutely no idea. <laughs> but anyway, so... It's fine now, you can... <laughs> you can honestly stop. <laughs> anyway, we're going to do a countdown from ten. <laughs> right, okay. So what happened was, uh, I, I said to him, uh, what the f*** for the team? <laughs> you can stop the timer, it's... <laughs> it's gone off. <laughs> I know it's gone off. It's fine. <laughs> this is an award-winning anecdote I'm trying to tell you here. <laughs> So I, uh, I said... As I came off the stage from that gig and walked back into the green room, a man comes up to me who hadn't been in the green room before this point, and I assumed he was one of the organisers. He said, oh, that was absolutely brilliant, mate. I thought, oh, God, brilliant, I'll be invited back. The organisers are happy. And we had a bit of a chat, and then as he was chatting, I thought, he sounds like someone very familiar. I thought, this man sounds exactly like Joe Lycett, to the point that I said to him, I said, oh, I don't know if anyone's ever told you this, but you sound, you sound exactly like Joe Lycett. And he said, oh, well, that's good to know. 
because that's who I am. <laughs> it sounds like he was coming to do a little spot. I had absolutely no idea. Anyway, it's not time to leave Birmingham yet. We are going to head to Morsley. And one of the great things about doing comedy is the characters that you get to meet. The audience members. The compare will chat to audience members before he brings the acts on. And the question sometimes, what do you do for a living? And it's, oh, I'm a teacher, I'm a doctor, I'm an accountant or whatever. But sometimes you get a surprising answer. And this was certainly the case in Morsley, where the compare said, so what do you do for a living? And the man said, I do audio books. I record audiobooks. And the MC said, oh, what kind of audiobooks? He said, uh, they're actually erotic audiobooks. And he said, oh, actually, not so much erotic. It's, they're more pornographic, really. Pornographic audiobooks. <laughs> it's a bit more explicit. They're not erotic. And then he said, and, and also, I do a bit of gigging as well on the side. I'm a blues singer. And he was with someone. And the compare said, is this your partner? And he said, and he said yeah, it is. And the compare said, how did you meet? And he said, oh, well, I met her at a fetish club. We both got the same fetish club. So <laughs> it was quite a character. They had a little bit of a chat. And then I was introduced onto the stage. I thought, I can't just go into my material. I was inspired. I'd been given the raw ingredients. Fetish club attending pornographic audiobook recording blues singer. Well, it was ripe for a song, I thought. I woke up this morning. Come on, Jimmy. And I was feeling so blue. Come on, Jimmy. Woke up this morning, I had to go into work for some porn audiobooks to do. <laughs> oh, then I went off to the fetish club to watch some filthy people screw. <laughs> I've waited absolutely ages to do that song. That was, um, yeah, that was on my first CD. I mean, Jimmy, given what we know about you, you'd have thought your favourite genre wouldn't be blues, it would be swing. But anyway... Or maybe he said he was a blue singer. I sing pornographic songs. Well, it sprung up this morning, and I was hoping to be blue. Do-do-do. Anyway, by the way, if you were getting excited, not really on a CD. That was a joke. Just in case you think it, oh, where can I hear that, David? Maybe he's got a CD available. He'll be very CD indeed. We head from Birmingham to Bogner, and one of the audience members that the compare was chatting to was a cemetery officer. Also at this gig, there was a very strange thing that happened at the end, in my last song, where the lights suddenly just came on. And I tried to ask the audience what it was about, but nobody elucidated. This is often the case. Something will happen at the gig, and I ask the audience what's going on. Nobody tells me. So now I'm the only person in the venue who doesn't know what's happened. And I'm the one who's on stage. I'm the one who needs to know. I'm the one who's got to talk about it or, you know, make jokes about situations that are going on in the audience. Yet I'm the only person in the entire room who's not in on a joke or who doesn't know what's going on visually, which can be quite disconcerting at times. Anyway, this was a really nice gig. Everyone seemed to really be enjoying it. But there were a few people at the front, a group of people at the front, who I just didn't hear anything from. And they were right in front of me. And it just seemed like they were completely silent. And so I mentioned it a couple of times at the gig and they didn't really respond to me but you will hear me referring to that at the end also it was quite an old audience this one I think the compare had established that there was nobody in the audience under 55 that's probably why the cemetery officer was there she just turned up to pick up a few customers I uh, can't do what uh, our previous friend was doing what John was doing in the first half where he was wandering around you all having a lovely conversation with you uh, now I, I have tried doing that unfortunately it just doesn't work because I don't know who's who and, and that kind of thing now the only way it will work is if I spend a few minutes in advance feeling all of your faces and then I can really give it some but it's just an awkward 10 minutes so I'm not really sure it's, we haven't got the time to do that tonight unfortunately but uh, I've disappointed you hasn't it you were hoping you know, that's the only reason I, I, I sit on the front row because of the perverted blind man but it seems he's dropped that from his act oh. 
I'm gigging in Brighton tomorrow. Come and see me then. Maybe I'll... <laughs> this is the third gig she's been to, and I've not done any of those gigs. <laughs> anyway, they, uh, they, uh... What were we talking about? Sorry, I've completely lost the plot. Can our cemetery officer help us out there? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> now, for the rest of you, you all think of death and this is quite mournful. She thinks, ka-ching. <laughs> Excellent, this energy crisis is going well for me. Excellent. <laughs> So far, I've remembered what I wanted to uh, talk to you about because uh, I've noticed that, especially after lockdown, some comedians have been a bit fearful coming back. They've been worried that they're going to forget their various jokes. They, they cheat, and some of them will write their little jokes on their hands. But uh, I can't do that. I read Braille. <laughs> None of these jokes are funny enough to have them perforated into me. You know. <laughs> oh, what's the next one? Oh, yeah, the one that I severed an artery for. That's right. Which never really gets much of a laugh. Literally, all in vain. <laughs> <laughs> a groan from everybody else and one hand clap. Uh, uh, one hand and a groan. It's just like my love life. Anyway. <laughs> When's he gonna fail me first? I'm nuts! You're still coming to me, gigs! Ah, uh, dear. But, uh, no, I, uh, I, uh, the... I've, 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 now, this time, I genuinely have lost the plot, but I can't do the cemetery officer joke again, can I? Um, although, as I say, you're all so old that you probably can't remember we did it the first time. I've lost the plot. Our cemetery officer can help us with that. <laughs> Excellent. Um, no, ironically, I think I was talking about forgetting my jokes. That's right. Now, that, by the way, is the timer going off in my pocket, but for the optimists out there, still got five minutes. Calm yourselves down. Just needed to warn you, because with your age, you could be a pacemaker. So, uh, <laughs> the face maker? No, I said pace maker. The, uh, I wish I could lend them a hand, but I'm just at home on windows. What's happened to the lighting? Why? Why has it suddenly got brighter? Has someone had a heart attack or something? What? Has this got a little bit too much for you? <laughs> Am I all right to continue? Oh, thank goodness for that. Now, actually, the lighting has changed, hasn't it? I haven't just suddenly got my sight back. <laughs> <laughs> I can't see light. I'm just assume I've seen the light. I have to ditch the Bible stuff now. Anyway, no longer do I need my. No longer do I. Oh, thank you. Thank you. But unfortunately, you're just prolonging the agony for these people down here. <laughs> Nearly done before this place turns into a discotheque. I. I really hope that the lights aren't on because someone is ill. Because. Uh, we're all wishing this person well. Well, everybody apart from our cemetery officer, of course. Uh, we danced between the libraries and the galleries. We skipped across the earth. A compass for a heart. The needle points to north. This is the Commoners' Choir. The choir that sings songs of social justice and community, run by Boff Wally from Chumbawamba. And if you want to hear Boff talking about the choir and the incredible story of Chumbawamba, you can listen to the David Eagle podcast episode with Boff that I did last year. 
But it was a great honour to be asked by Boff to perform with the choir. I did stand-up as part of the Commoners Choir Tour. We moved from Bognor to an Anglican church in Brighton. Right, well, I feel a little bit nervous about doing this, because I, uh, well, for a start, I normally uh, start my steps with a ten-minute rant against the Anglican church, but I uh, <laughs> can't really do that. So I'm just trying to work out what I should be doing. Uh, have we any Anglicans in tonight, by the way? Hello, that's one, one Anglican. You have to come to every event, my friend, just to make sure nothing goes too awry. I don't even like choral music. I hate folk singing and I hate blind people. But I have to be here as representative of the Anglican Church. I do apologise, my friend. Anyway. So this is a little bit uh, different to maybe how uh, some of you see me, because you may have seen me in the folk group that I'm part of, uh, the Young'uns. And um, I, uh, well, no cheer for them, so presumably not then. Excellent. Ow. I'll pass that on to the other two. Excellent. Will we miss David? Not in the slightest, no. Apart from maybe being guided onto the stage, that's the only reason you need to be there. Um, I was guided Radio 4 yesterday. Yeah, yeah. I, I, was, I was in the arches. I was playing a cow. Uh, some people doubting me here. Mm, ring any bells? Yeah, yeah, that's it. One take wonder. And I got to be milked by Ruth afterwards. Uh, that wasn't, not, that wasn't even part of the show. I just put that in my contract. It's amazing what you get away with. Now, if you're getting excited thinking I'd love to hear that episode, David, of you being a cow in the arches, unfortunately that wasn't true. I was doing the Now Show, and I believe you can still find that episode. I think it was episode two of the last series. It's on YouTube, I think. So if you really want to find it, you can find it. For goodness sake, don't expect me to spoon feed you. Come on, book your ideas up. The programme got some very interesting comments when they advertised it on Twitter after the episode went out. My favourite one was someone saying, Ah, oh, typical BBC. A load of comedians once again fall down the walk hole. I did comment back and say that it's maybe a little bit unfair to have a go at me for falling down a hole. Anyway, from hole to hull. Ah, brilliant bit of linking there. Oh, thanks very much, Steve. Hey, you're big, come here, give me a hand. Give me a hand. <laughs> hey. you, mate. I've absolutely enjoyed you. <laughs> thanks for that. Oh, thank what's you. Your step, what's your step, mate? Yeah. You see you next time. See you next time. Bye, Steve. Bye. <laughs> so that was Steve, the doorman of the Comedy Lounge in Hull. This is my second day in Hull. So I did the gig on Friday, then I did the gig on Saturday. And on the Friday, he takes me onto the stage, and then about two minutes into the gig, I suddenly feel this presence in front of me. And then this hand comes out, and he pushes me slightly back. <laughs> and it was Steve, the doorman, to tell me where the edge of the stage was. Oh, I know where the edge of the stage is, yes, thank you. Excellent. <laughs> They've given away the big finish. Just <laughs> between you and me, I'm not really blind. I'm not even playing the accordion, it's all queued up on a CD. Um, anyway, so I have a bit of a joke about it at the gig, and then afterwards, well, first he said, I apologise, I thought you didn't know where the stage was. I said, oh, don't worry about it, that's what he said, but it worked well, though, didn't it? Worked well when I did that because then I gave you material, give you stuff to talk about. The audience absolutely loved it. The gig really started picking up. <laughs> and I'm thinking, he's taking quite a lot of credit here for his role in the gig. <laughs> and he said, um, I can do it again tomorrow if you want. I thought that went really well, that. And I thought, he's, I think he's big enough his role quite a bit here. He seems like really excited about it. Anyway, I come back tomorrow. Sure enough, he's on the door again. And he says, David, I was just thinking last night, 
I was telling my wife, I was saying how good that went, you know, when I pushed you back from the stage and then you made a joke about it and it really made the gig go well, you know, the audience absolutely loved it. I was thinking I could do it again tonight. <laughs> Would you like me to? And I thought he really wants to. So I said, yeah, yeah, well, yeah, if you want to do it, just do it, mate. He says, well, I will, I will. If you want me to, I'll, I'll do it. And he was clearly very enthusiastic about it. He said, I'll do it like I did before. I'll do it like I did before. I'll come in, you know, I'll let you speak for a couple of minutes and then you go to the edge of the stage. He said, hey, he gave me a little director's tip. He said, what, what you need to do though, David, is make sure, like before, you're at the edge of the stage. Because if you're not at the edge of the stage, it wouldn't work. I'm like, <laughs> I think I am aware of that, but he said it like he just thought it was a really clever idea. Maybe the doorman of the gig giving me a director's guide now. What you need to do, make sure you're at the edge of the stage, David. Otherwise, it's just, it's not going to work. <laughs> and then he was like, I'll come out, I'll do the same thing as I did before, and then you just take it from there, mate. Take it from there. Riff on it. The audience will love it. <laughs> so it was really strange, because I started doing the gig. I didn't know when it was going to happen as well. So I felt a little bit on edge. Well, no pun intended. Unless you really enjoyed it, in which case, fun very much intended. <laughs> That's how I work. Uh, I think they were just sort of rubbing it in that we haven't got as much of an audience as we normally have. When uh, the first two songs played the, the, before we came on was uh, Tiffany, I think we're alone now, doesn't seem to be anyone around, <laughs> followed by Ain't Nobody. Um, well, anyway, it's always good when we start being heckled by the music before the gig's even started. Yeah. Oh, you all right? <laughs> no? <laughs> it's just our little sign that we have. Our little chord there. Uh, I'll see you afterwards in the van. Hey, I think he was trying to tell me that the edge of the stage is there. I am aware of where the edge of the stage is. I assume it was uh, Steve who escorted me onto the stage. I mean, it could have just been a very eager audience member. <laughs> Excellent. I'll also let you into a little secret. We did this gig yesterday and um, he rescued me from the edge of the stage because he thought I was too close. And him and the organizers seem to w work out that it went out so well that they've decided to stage the whole thing again. So, <laughs> that's the only reason I get invited back is so that they can get the choreography right. Uh, we'll just keep doing this every single week. Shall we have a round of applause for Steve the Dorman? There we are. <laughs> Steve. And very close to Hull is Beverly. And I was doing a gig in June as part of the Beverly Festival, which was organised by Phil, the agent of my band, The Youngins. And he wanted to put on a comedy night as part of the festival. And so it was me, my good friend Silky, Tom Rigglesworth and Katie Pritchard. And a couple of months earlier, The Youngins played Pocklington, which neighbours Beverly. And so at The Youngins gig, when we were advertising that we were on BBC Radio 3, our theatre show, The Ballad of Johnny Longstaff, which incidentally you can also still hear. That's still online. It's Drama on 3. Again, should easily be able to find it. If you type in BBC Radio 3 Longstaff or BBC Radio 3 Johnny, actually don't do that, there's a, BBC Radio 3 Johnny, that'll give you, a, there's an opera, there's a prophylactic based opera, it's quite, it's an experimental piece, but you know what Radio 3 are like, a two hour opera all about condoms, that's why we pay our licence fee. Anyway, while we were advertising that, I thought this would be the ample opportunity to advertise the fact that I was doing a gig in Beverly in a couple of months time, and when you do an advert, it's important that you get all the relevant information across very quickly and concisely, and I'm sure you'll agree, I did that absolutely spot on. On here, as you're about to find out, as we join the young'uns in Pocklington. We should also mention that we're on BBC Radio 3. Oh, that's right, yeah. Our, our Not this. <laughs> Imagine this on Radio 3 now. Don't worry, there's only four minutes left. <laughs> <laughs> Again, yeah. not the first time you said that, but what is it? <laughs> it is the first time someone said that, yeah, is it? Anyway. You're very blue since you became a stand-up. Ah! Yeah. We can do another advert. We haven't finished the first advert, but we'll do another advert. 
I am doing a little gig as well, which is in Beverly Festival. Beverly Festival on the 16th of June. So there you go. I'm sure tickets will go flying after that. Excellent. Is it, how do you get tickets, Phil? What? Phil, this is our agent I'm asking now. I love the fact that our agent clearly isn't listening. Um, <laughs> he's frantically listening to Radio 3 just to make sure we're definitely not on. Yeah. You know, I'm sure it's easy. How do you get tickets, on, Phil? Online. online. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Online, everybody. So the Beverly Festival, the, the, the website. Yeah, 16th of June, and we're on Radio 3 on the... What? Where in Beverly? Where in Beverly? <laughs> Phil? <laughs> <laughs> Well, people are going, I didn't realise Beverly had a, a Phil, a Beverly Philharmonic, what? <laughs> <laughs> no, sorry, it's, it's, no, sorry, it's, it's, uh, it's in Philadelphia and it's, it's Beverly who's organising the gig. I've, <laughs> I've, I've got this all wrong. It's the David Eagle Podcast. Well, I'm looking forward to this gig. I'm in London. It's a daytime gig. It's 12 o'clock. In the afternoon. Well, it's not the afternoon if it's 12 o'clock. Although technically it is, because if we're more than a second into it, then it's, it's the afternoon, isn't it? And this is a gig. It's called a bring your own baby gig. It's not for the comedians to bring their own babies. It's for parents who can't go out in the evenings, for obvious reasons, because they've got new children. And so they go to an afternoon comedy gig. And we've been told to just do our usual set. So we're allowed to swear, technically. And actually, it does feel quite apt, I suppose, to be potty-mouthed. <laughs> I mean, I probably can't do my usual set, even though they said just do your usual set. I'm not sure if me bounding onto the stage with an accordion and shouting out a song called I'm Killing My Dog for Satan whilst playing the accordion discordantly, really loudly, is the best idea. You might be able to hear in the background there are babies crying. There are parents crying as well, to be honest. You can't blame them. They're new parents. Quite stressful. And I think they've just read some reviews of my gigs. Someone reviewed the gig that I did in that uh, rough pub in Kent. But they said, oh, yeah, there will be crying babies, but just get on with it, basically. Don't worry about it. Just get on with it. I mean, oh, it's so easy for them to say, but a lot of my comedy is very nuanced. If you miss a single word, if you miss the joke, you know, it's very sophisticated. One word missed can jeopardize the whole experience. And I don't know how hysterical the kids are going to get, you know, like how, if they're crying too much, do I just have to keep plowing on? Also, what if I get, they're really quiet and it just comes to the end of the story? Just as I'm about to do the final punchline after a three minute story, some kids just start wailing and I just can't get the story out. I'm also feeling a little bit nervous because I've got to make my way to the stage. I'm just a bit worried that on my way to the stage, I will trample a baby. And I mean, my jokes would have to be pretty good to come back after that. How was the gig? Well, the bad news is, our Sebastian was killed by uh, one of the comedians who was blind. He stood on Sebastian, so unfortunately he's dead. And I was going to leave. I was feeling rather angry and upset, as you'd imagine. I was thinking about suing him. And just as I got up to leave, all upset and angry, he suddenly just came out with this absolutely blistering pun. And I thought, oh, I've got to stick around and hear the rest of this. Is this being used, No, it's not. Feel free. Are you one of the I am. Hopefully, yes. Yes. <laughs> As you can tell, already started with the banter. Bantering them with one of the parents. I think they know they're in for a treat there. Are you one of the acts? Are you one of the comedians, she says. Hopefully, I say. <laughs> no, I think she knows she's in safe hands. Don't peek too soon, David. It's uh, some of the men in the audience peeking too soon that got them into this mess. And that's why they're going to bring your own baby gig now. Uh, well, 
Well, this is a very interesting gig for me. I, uh, when uh, Elisa asked if I'd like to do a Bring Your Own Baby gig in a few months, I thought it was a sort of an elaborate flirting, but uh, <laughs> here I am. The, uh, the reason I'm doing this gig is largely because uh, I was so desperate to gig out of a lockdown, so I thought I'd do anything, so I was just accepting all sorts of gigs. Uh, <laughs> and I thought it's, it's important, I thought, now that uh, as a comedian I, I put myself into uncomfortable positions, uh, so this is why I'm performing in very tight boxer shorts. Uh, well, it's, uh, it's not the first time, actually, that I have been heckled by people wailing and crying, so uh, I'm quite used to this. I think the babies are enjoying the gig more than you, to be honest. Uh, <laughs> I was so desperate, as I say, to do gigs. I did this gig in... Uh, it was somewhere in London. It was like a basement of a pub in London. I was just desperate to take anything. And it was a mix of uh, new and more established comedians. But it was a bit odd, because, as I say, there was quite some, there was some new comedians there, some people who maybe hadn't really done much comedy. In fact, there was one girl who, I think it was a first comedy gig. I'm not even sure she technically started doing comedy by the time the gig had finished, to be honest. And that's not me being cruel. I think you'll, you'll appreciate this when I tell you that she did an entire ten-minute monologue about how she was so desperate over lockdown that she'd ended up having sex with a dog. And the thing is, there weren't enough jokes or... or I love the fact this is the first time I've heard anyone shushing one of the babies, and it's kind of like, he's talking about having sex with a dog and he keep quiet, please. Uh, now it's getting good. Oh, the child didn't like that one. Censoring there. Uh, excellent. There's a future uh, member of Ofcom we have in the audience there. Don't do that one, David. Thank you very much. Yes, that was a very strange gig, but very enjoyable. I did, <laughs> I did enjoy it, doing comedy while there's crying and shitting going on. And that's just the parents. <laughs> no, sorry, low-hanging fruit. Well, actually, I think that might have been one of the mothers breastfeeding. There was a bit of an embarrassing incident. I thought it was low-hanging fruit. I thought, oh, my ride has arrived. Anyway, we're heading to Sheffield now for another gig that I did with the Commoners Choir, and it was just after the London gig with the babies. About ten minutes into the gig, I can hear the sound of a crying baby, and I wasn't sure whether it was actually happening or whether I was just... It was just in my head from the previous gig, and I was getting some sort of Pavlovian thing. Every time I do stand-up now, I'm going to hear the sound of crying babies. I've just got quite a few fans who are Buddhist monks. <laughs> I don't know why, they came to one of my gigs once, now they just keep coming back. It's a reincarnation joke, people, come on. Keep up. <laughs> no, the one gig that I did recently, which was uh, in a really rowdy pub, and just as I started talking, that's clearly when the, uh, the comedy started. Uh, sorry, the comedy started. So I, I didn't, I might be completely wrong, but I thought I heard the sound of a crying baby. But did anyone else hear that? Yeah. It was the sound of a crying baby. Is there anything I should know about? <laughs> Someone's just given birth uh, during the gig there. There we go. I, I told you the Buddhists keep coming back. There they are. Good to see you again, Horatio. Horatio. Horatio the Buddhist. Oh, wonderful. The Amazing Adventures of Horatio the Buddhist. Uh, if you want to buy that book, it's on the merch table. Um, anyway. It's a song inspired by a neo-Nazi fest... <laughs> Are you in? Here's the neo-Nazi, uh, in tonight. Yeah, he said, hopefully you'll come back as a Buddhist. Um, it's a song about... I mean, I'm assuming the person's cheering because they know the song. Right, OK, fair enough. <laughs> it's not about neo-Nazi, it's about time. It's about time. That's the only reason I got the gig uh, from the BBC is because I did this song, this pro neo-Nazi song, and Nadine Doris heard it, said, do you want to do Radio 4, David? We need more right-wing comedians. <laughs> anyway... This song is available on the internet, but please don't go do what other people have clearly done and Google David Eagle Nazi. Um... <laughs>
And that song, The Day We Drank the Nazis Out of Town, it is available on the internet. I've just uploaded it to TikTok. I finally got around to properly using TikTok. So I put one of my comedy clips on. That's done quite well, actually. I don't know what viral means. It was just bandy the word around willy-nilly. <laughs> you don't want to hear the word willy next to the word viral. Um, hang on, let's have a look. How many views for a viral video? Ah, Around 250,000 views. All right, then. Not quite viral yet, then. I put a little clip from my Leicester Square Theatre show on TikTok, and at the time of talking, I think it's about 137,000. So just another 120,000 to go, and then we'll be viral. There you go. If you fancy getting me viral, get on TikTok, at the David Eagle, click on the comedy clip, the Leicester Square Theatre clip. Watch that 100 times. We'll be viral by October. Anyway, the next podcast, I'll be with Ellie, my fiance, and we've got all sorts of stories to impart, including what happened at Witchwood Festival. It was quite a harrowing ordeal that we experienced. But his little story about the accommodation. I was doing comedy at Witchwood Festival and I just found somewhere to stay through Airbnb and it was someone's house. And when we got there, we got quite a surprise. As I explained just a few days ago when I was on stage with the young'uns at Warwick Folk Festival. The, the person who put me up, it was like an Airbnb, but we were, it was essentially staying at someone's house. She opens the door and then immediately she says, oh, I didn't realise you were blind. I was like, okay, she goes, just stay there. And then she runs up the stairs. And this, I can hear some like moving around for a few seconds. And she comes down the stairs and says, disaster averted. And I said, what on earth was that all about? She said, well, I saw on your uh, profile when you put reason for staying that you were a comedian. I thought this guy, will, obviously he'll enjoy a practical joke. So I... <laughs> so I put a spider, a fake spider in your bed. <laughs> uh, I just love the idea, that's what you think we do. Just like, oh, comedian, practical joke, there we go. There we go. What would you do? The last guest was, uh, he worked in an abattoir, so I made him feel old. <laughs> Pig's blood all up the walls. Uh... <laughs> it's the David Eagle Podcast. On the web. I'm not still talking about spiders. I'm talking about where you can find out where I am gigging. DavidEagle.co.uk is my website. Since we last spoke, I have released a new mix, a new David Eagle's pick and mix, mashing up fork and pop. As I say, you can also find my gig list as well for me and for the young'uns. And it'd be lovely to see you somewhere. Bring your baby. Why not? I'll be back next week. It'll be the return of Ellie, my fiance Ellie. And we've got all sorts of stories. And we'll probably bring back some of the old features. Maybe even a new feature here and there. So until then, thank you very much for listening. Bye. <laughs> I always struggle with how to say goodbye. Uh, every time I do it, I feel self-conscious. You'd have thought, given the things that I say on this podcast, I should feel self-conscious a lot more of the time. But it's generally only when I'm saying goodbye. And I always go, that's a ridiculous way of saying goodbye. What were you thinking? Every time I say, thank you very much for listening. Goodbye. I just think, goodbye. You sound so earnest, David. Or I'll go, bye, and I'm just like, you sound stupid. Anyway, thank you very much for listening. Goodbye. Actually, I didn't mind that one. We'll stick with that one. I mean, I've ruined it now by saying something at the end. <sighs> to do it, I'll do it again. I'll try and recreate that magic. Here we go. Here we go. We can, I can do it. Until then, thank you very much for listening. Goodbye. Yeah, wasn't as good. Never mind. Basically, the person who's um, meeting the parents the first time uh, slipped me a tenner and said, could you possibly be so weird that I seem absolutely fine? <laughs> so...